Holy shit. Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. Date of recording, April 21st, 2021. Might as well be 2031. I have aged 10 years in the last three days as the soccer world has been filled with so much drama. I, I went down this like existential crisis spiral and... I, I, I think I'm just still in it. Like I we'll get to it, I'm sure, but I just have so many doubts and so many thoughts. Yet at the same time overcome with a feel like a feeling of speechlessness. It's it's like every every force has an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just that giant tug of war is going on in my brain. In case you've been living under a rock or have died and have in a Jesus Christ-like fashion come back to life, we're of course talking about the European Super League, which we're about to get into, plus a whole lot more. But first... It's in, it's in a goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post, he's almost behind him, sticks his left leg out, it almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. Got no chance to win the keeper. Astonishing position to get the ball into. So I, I, I know I was kind of just rambling like an idiot in, in the intro there. Uh, obviously, we were talking about the, the very short lived, uh, at least for now, rise and fall of the European Super League. I think it probably makes sense, in my opinion, for us to kind of talk about it in phases, right? Yeah. Let's let, let let's talk about what was announced when they when when the the signing of or the the starting of the league was announced. Our thoughts and, and opinions on it, and then we can kind of move to the middle phase when things started happening, and then towards the end we can talk about resolution. And I think there's a critical pre there's a critical conception phase that we'd have to address. And so I want you to imagine a Roman orgy. You know, I want you to imagine old dudes with saggy nutsacks with a bunch of beautiful, beautiful women who are are in some very sad way being exploited. And at the center of that orgy, I want you to imagine two old, overweight, greedy, greedy men. Number one, there's so, there's so many people you could, you could be talking about right now in the wider context of like the European club soccer world. I am fascinated to know which two you're going with here. Well, number one is the supreme leader himself, Florentino Perez. <laughs> but it cannot be understated who number two is. You you know you remember in Tiger King or Carol Baskins has her husband that the photo where he's on the leech and he's just a hundred percent synced okay. out. So, so you're talking about her second husband, not the first husband. Not the one she, she killed. Murdered. No, not, not the, the one she murdered. murdered and fed to her cat. Yeah. Okay. So setting the scene, Roman orgy, these beautiful yet tragically exploited women at the orgy at the center, two men, man, number one, Florentino Perez. And who is he holding by the leash? Well, none other than Man United owner Joel Glazer. And I truly believe that the European Super League is the bastard offspring of those two motherfuckers. 
track here, Donnie, but I, I need to cut you off. I have a quick adjustment to make to your scenario. Now, granted, I don't really have a lot of uh, insight into how the whole Roman orgy system operated. I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm mainly drawing from uh, what I've seen from the star show Spartacus that you made mm. me watch a few years ago. F- fun show, fun show. So you've got the people that are showing up to the orgy. You've got the people that are being like exploited uh, to kind of service the orgy. Mm. And then you, you also have the person who's like pulling the strings and orchestrating a whole, a, a lot of like the fanfare and the participants. And that's where I think you've missed out on Agnelli, the Juventus president. Uh... He's the third person in your scenario because – when they did announce this whole thing, it was Chairman uh, Perez of Real Madrid. Well, gl- global uh, Supreme Leader Perez. Yep. And his two vice chairs. Gl- uh, uh, was Woodward. One from Man- Woodward from Man United. Who is that? Is Woodward the guy in the in the actual... There's, there's so many ways this works. Because I could see the Glazers being Carol Baskin. And Woodward being the, the husband in, in the cat suit with the Legion collar. So I actually think it's like it, you'd have to imagine the Carol Baskins picture, but with a third person on the leash and a collar being held by the second person on the leash and the collar. So it's Perez as Carol Baskins. I got yeah. It's Joel Glazer as the, the second husband, and then Joel Glazer is holding a little a little dude in a leash and a collar, and that's Ed Woodward. And Agnelli of Juventus, the person supplying all of the leather and all of the leashes. Damn. Business is good. Well, it was. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you can get, you want to continue setting the scene. Okay, so that's what I think the backdrop everyone needs to understand going into this. I think <clears throat> something else that people need to understand as part of the background is that a lot of these, a lot of the bigger European clubs, and by the bigger European clubs, I mean the 12 douchebag clubs that were involved in the Super League, have also felt that UEFA has not been maximizing the potential revenue gain from European soccer. Go ahead. So I actually think it's that, but like with a little more cynical look. It's not that UEFA hasn't been maximized. I, I, I think, you know, I'm sure that there could be more money they could squeeze out of it, but I think they're more frustrated in the the belief that UEFA is taking more off the top than they really deserve or really should right. as an like, organizing body. Right. Their mentality is we are the money makers, the big name clubs, we're the, we're the headline acts, and so we deserve to uh, be making more of the money. But, you know, that's just one greedy two that goes against the entire pyra- the pyramid system of how European soccer has worked for like over a hundred fucking years. Which is how your clubs were able to become established at this in the first place. Exactly. And with that system, there's the promise that the lowliest club and the lowliest league of your country, in theory, could make it all the way to the top. And in practice, as we saw with with Leicester. Yeah, winning the Premier League. Going from League 2 all the way up to the Premier League and winning the whole fucking thing. But, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Like, that, that is the the overall mindset. And 
it's one thing to come out and say we are generating a lot more revenue, you know, through this competition than like UEFA itself does or the smaller clubs. So we need to, and this is something they've been doing for a while, is push for ways to restructure the the revenue or restructure the the reforms. But it seems like for a while these big clubs, these asshole clubs, your beloved club, my beloved club included, they see their golden ticket. The reform they really want is guaranteed participation for the big clubs, regardless of merit. And that's where you that's where you lose me. That's where you lose, I think, a lot of people that would otherwise be for like uh, a different payout structure based off of who's driving the the cause for revenue. There, I think there are people that see merit there. I, I still have problems with it. But that's, that's, I think, where you lose a lot of people is your solution is we need to be guaranteed participation regardless of how we finished the year before. Like the fact, the fucking fact that Milan, who has missed out on Champions League for the last seven years, six of those missed out on Europa League, feels entitled to permanent position in the t- Top international continental competition is mind blowing and embarrassing. I mean, what have Man United accomplished post Alex Ferguson? A second place finish in the Premier League where they were second by like 18 points to the first place team, a Europa League trophy, an FA Cup, and a League Cup. That is Man U's four accomplishments, and one of which more, was finishing more, second. Uh, I had to say, more titles in that run than Tottenham have in their entire club history. Well, yeah, I mean, Tottenham is a... I bring that up because they're also apparently part of this, like, super cadre of great teams. So, and I think one last... I I took us off track, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, the... I think the 12 clubs that decided to create a Super League to go the whole fucking world off track. Um, And then one last thing I want to add to this backdrop is while this is all going on... Those 12 clubs are also voting on reforms for the Champions League, a competition they clearly no longer have any interest in. Nor respect for. They know, Florentino Perez said that, this, you know, oh, the Champions League will exist. Well, okay, in a world where this Super League exists, the Champions League becomes the new Europa League. And what the fuck is the Europa League? The old fucking UEFA Cup Winners' Cup that nobody and- remembers? And also, like, like the model that they have projecting all of the, the windfall of revenue, some of it can be newfound, but most of it's going to come from somewhere else at the expense of something else. And it's very clearly at the expense of both the Champions League and the Europa League. Okay. To add to all that, one last thing that I think you have to say. Have a lot of professional sports teams lost money the last year and change due to COVID? Yes. A lot of billionaires are slightly less rich. Do you know how many people have lost their, like people who cannot afford to lose their jobs, have lost their jobs due to COVID? Who, you know, all those stadium workers who are unemployed because there are no fans at the stadium. Like, I get that COVID has had an impact on these owners and on these teams. I understand that. I'm not an idiot. But to be so callous callous and show no care or regard for the fact that there are people 
Like, your club may have lost 200 million euros or whatever. There are people who are staying up at night with anxiety, panicking on how to fucking put food on the table for their children. But luckily, Marcus Rashford takes care of that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, his, his reach only goes through through England. Yes. Um, so there's a whole wider ecosystem to, to worry about. But and I, I think that's something else that I think really bothered me. Yeah. So I think I think that, that that will will cover that too in like the the next phase of kind of yeah. so what what happened right we we all kind of woke up I think on Sunday was when funny story I, I was at a uh, my good buddy Matt Matt shout out to you. Uh, Gates just railed Tottenham so, about two sorry minutes ago. To- sorry for the Tottenham. So burn, I was at Matt's bachelor party over the weekend, and so Sunday, and all of his like buddies that were there, all like diehard soccer fans, and I was like, "Holy shit, guys! They they just announcing the European Super League, and we're all like hungover, like smell like death." Yeah. So it was like a very like that the feeling of horribleness that I physically felt, along with my stench, was a really appropriate setting to have this shit dropped into my face. And I think most of you probably are, are aware of what was announced, but for those few listeners that don't follow soccer at all and just tune in for our conversation about hot guys, this is probably not going to be the conversation for you, unfortunately. But if you're still here, the the announcement came um, about a formation of a new continental European competition to take place midweek, just like the Champions League called the uh, European Super League. Twelve founding members were planned to withdraw from the Champions League and find three other potential founding members who would join a a league of 20 total teams. So you've got the 12 founders, three more founders they want to bring in. I think we'll touch on on why they had three spots open. And they're Uh, they're rotating five. And then, yeah, so that's 15, and they were going to have a rotating five of teams that would compete each year. For those five teams, their position would be based on merit, right? If they didn't do well enough in their league, then they would not be eligible to, to participate in the next year's European Super League, but the other 15 teams would. And their model was forecasting, like, three point something billion dollars to be split i think between the clubs uh there was like an an initial massive payout for each club based off of sponsorships and tv deals that they were forecasting and the fact that these 15 teams would be guaranteed participation every single year then it became a sustainable revenue model that they could predict each year you were going to get this much much money in addition to whatever your league payout is for tv rights and performance yeah, the idea being that, to quote Florentino Perez, people would, people are going to want to m- watch Manchester United play Barcelona more than they're going to want to watch Manchester United play a lesser club. Play Dynamo Zagreb. Right. Um, how the competition would work, well, you would play, um, the teams would be divided into two groups of ten. You'd play your, each team in your group. The top three teams in each of the two mini-leagues, mini-groups, would automatically qualify for the quarterfinals. Four and five in each group would play in a two-legged playoff to, to determine the last two spots. Then you'd have your quarterfinals. Be just like the Champions League from there on out. Two-legged um, yeah. matches and then a neutral site final in terms of just the logistics of how it would work. 
And so in, 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 in like, you know, in the announcement, they gave a big reason why they're doing this. And they're, 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 I think Donnie, you kind of alluded to it. They talked about how this is not just going to be a massive windfall for, you know, payment, you know, just increase of cash for the participating members, but the money they get, they will then commit to spending a good portion of that into building up their squads. And you do that by purchasing players of other, from other teams. So their whole idea was everybody in the pyramid structure will Tr- benefit trickle from Trickle down this. economics. Trickle down economics, yes. Because um, that's always the best way to go about things. Um, but not to get too political here, or I guess economical here. That was their whole concept. And their, their big piece was European club football is dying. Uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, the economic downturn, because the pandemic is destroying and killing football. And this is like Perez's actual words. We came up with this idea to save football, to save the sport that you all love. What a crock of bullshit. And the the biggest, I think, evidence to this is they used, I think, COVID-19. They mentioned it three to five times in the statement. I think Goal reported earlier today that they could confirm Perez and a few others have been spearheading this project. Years. Five, five, five years. years. Exactly. This, I have heard whispers of this whispers of this for a while we've heard of the threat we've heard of the the big clubs threatening to make a super league if they don't get the reforms to champions league that they want and it always felt to me like okay that would be crazy and that would probably suck a little bit don't don't break off and form a league um but it's never seemed more fleshed out than a threat and it turns out this has been orchestrated conversation for at least five years, which if you're telling me that Perez knew about the incoming pandemic five years ago and didn't tell anybody, then uh, he's a bigger asshole than I thought. Yeah. And honestly, if he had just invested a lot heavily into Peloton stock, he would have probably offset any financial losses that hit, that our Real Madrid suffered. Um, also, Florentino Perez has a net worth of like $2 billion. I just feel like people should know that. Yeah. For whatever that, for whatever that's worth to you, if you're listening that's just something you should be known. So, I guess that's when so the announcement, phase one. I think phase two would then be... Oh, we should say who the, who the 12 founding members oh, are. Because absolutely. They, they, they deserve to be tarred in history forever. Um, I'll start with the six English clubs. I'll do the other six. Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, <laughs> and Sorry, of course... Man. Manchester United. That leads us to the six <clears throat> non-English clubs, three from Spain. It's the three that you all know and either love or hate. Right, Celta Real Vigo, Madrid. Valencia. <laughs> Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid. And then we have the three Italian clubs. Obviously, we've mentioned Agnelli, so Juventus was... was Definitely in on this. Inter Milan, who have you know recently been in Champions League, but have been as dormant as their uh, sister, you know their their city club. And then the third, the the sixth, the twelfth, the final team that we've yet to mention, my beloved Milan, one of the most historic clubs in in the sport, um, a club Top that five has historic been... club in the sport easily. Sorry, yeah, oh yeah. Um, one of the most uh, European continent accomplished clubs, too. Only only Real Madrid have more European titles than Milan. Yep, also correct. 
Also, honestly, of the 12 teams named, the least relevant club in the modern soccer world. Oh, I, I think that is so debatable. Who, who, who are you throwing out there? I would say that if you look at the last, if you want to say modern, what, let's say since 2013, we'll call it modern? Yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a full decade. So you even have the year we won the title and, and I would say if you look at that full decade, there's, you could make an argument for Tottenham and you could make an argument for Arsenal. Okay. That's fair. And My... I can make an argument. You know what? Hold on. I'd like to, before we get in the second phase, I'd like to briefly go on a, may I be allowed a mini rant? Yeah. I could make arguments about so many of these clubs, Manchester city, if you look at historically, non-existent. Your own manager admitted it. Liverpool, except in, until they won the Premier League last season and the Champions League the year before. A couple of Champions Leagues here there, but you never won a fucking league title in 20-something years. So 30. 30 years. 30-something years. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, Atletico Madrid, you literally get cuck yourself as you're doing right now. Like, there is a lot of the... Juventus, in my lifetime, was in Serie B. So... Okay. And then Real Madrid didn't went like six, seven years just getting cucked by Barcelona. I mean, I'm just saying I can make a lot of arguments about a lot of things about a lot of these clubs. Yeah, you're you're dead on there. Um, but and, and you know, especially if I give you the last ten years. But if I give you the last five to seven years, I feel completely justified in my stance that of these twelve teams, based off of merit, no team has been less relevant than Milan in the last. Five to seven years outside of the the little run we went on uh, after the project restart, um, people have only talked about Milan in terms of how far they've fallen. And Italian soccer is not the same without them in European competitions. And also, they got bought by this guy who defaulted on his payment, and they're now in receivership, and they've now been taken over by an American hedge fund, which builds in this conversation. And I think, so where do you want to take this this next part? So I think we talked the pre-phase orgy. Yes. We've added a lot of background context. We've talked about the clubs. We've, we've touched it out. I think phase two, we have to talk about the immediate and visceral reaction. Reaction. Uh, across the board. Across the board of fans, pundits, players, players managers. Former, former and present. So... I mean, I would say that the consensus was pretty clear right away that 90% of soccer fans fucking hated this idea completely and were disgusted by it. And then 10%, I just don't even, I don't, I don't even know if you're soccer fans. Yeah, I don't think they're, I don't, they, they might be fans of a, of a club, which they might themselves view as a franchise, right? They might, they might be like, I like it when this team wins and that's all I care about. And so this will make it easier for these, that team to win, but that's not a fan of the sport, right? That's not a true fan of, of a club or of a team because and you made a really good point that I think, you know, I'm sure you'll touch on a little bit. And a reason why the players, not just the players of other teams that weren't involved were upset, but players of the teams were also upset. And that's really important. And I think something to unpack. Yeah. And I'll get, um, I think the first player who was really loud about it, current player that I saw was Andre Herrera, formerly of Manchester United of PSG. Ander, Ander Herrera. Ander Herrera, excuse me. Who, um, 
kind of basically summed up for everyone where that, you know, the, like the idea that you you have no consequences and that these clubs are better than everyone else just goes against everything what soccer's about. Soccer's about being a kid and dreaming that you can reach the very, very top. But it's like that dream is sort of suppressed when when 15 teams are guaranteed something and then there's so few slots to go down. And it just kind of – and I think a lot of people just – started going off that sentiment, you know, Bruno Fernandez tweeted, you know, uh, football can't be bought. Um, Marcus Rashford tweeted a, qu- a quote by Sir Matt Busby without the fans, football is nothing. And the idea reiterates the fact that as a fan of a team, any team, if it's one of these 12 clubs, if it's one, if it's the team that just won the Champions League last year, or if you're a fucking fan of Derby County in the championship or some League Two team or you can always dream that your team can slowly rise up and rise up and achieve that ultimate dream. And that's what soccer's been based off of. Soccer has always been, in most clubs, Manchester United, perfect example, where most clubs were founded by the working class. And it's, and, and it's always had these working class ideas that through hard work and determination, you can, you can really rise up and achieve the dream. But instead, these teams that have been able to leverage themselves and take advantage of that system, like you said, for their own money, they're, they're, they're putting a ceiling on that kind of success that's always been such an integral part of the sport. Yeah, and, and this is something I think, I think you mentioned to me uh, when we talked about it earlier. You know, the majority of players on every team, but also the majority of the players on these 15 or 12 you know, founding super douches didn't come up from those teams uh youth systems right how, how many how many how many um uh, at least of the starting 11 or starting 11 or the main you know time getters of united came through the united system rashford pogba yep mctominay greenwoodish is is is, is it half half main starter but that would be that would be it. That'd be all I can say. From Milan, Donnarumma, Davide Calabria, and um, I think that's it. So, like Manchester City, like Phil Foden's the only guy who's ever come through their youth system. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and and so like that's that's the point you know that that I think really resonates with why even the players of of the teams that would benefit because those players would financially benefit greatly. Their teams would be able to pay them higher salaries, right? Higher wage bills. They could really, you know, build their, their wealth and establish their brand even better than they can today. But what I really loved, you know, from that side of it is unlike these owners, they didn't have, you know, a zero sum look as what's best for me. They, they truly, this, this kind of, is a, is a really heartwarming sentiment. They truly care most about what's best for the game. And in this instance, also what's best for the clubs that, that brought them up, that gave them a chance that helped them, you know, accomplish their dreams. And, you know, I think what added to that is when you have guys like Gary Neville in England and Jamie, <laughs> Jamie Carragher, went off and not they went off on their own clubs they they like gary neville i he has we have joked you know and rightfully so that he is a homer of manu when he can be a homer. and he held nothing back 
I mean, he let his disgust and embarrassment be clear known. Carragher did the same they thing. they asked him... No. Go ahead. I think so. Gary a couple a couple months back uh, was asked, you know, on 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 the show to name his all time uh, best Premier League team, and he couldn't pick players from like he could only pick one player from each team, and so he named a United starting eleven, but picked but just named players that had played at least one game at another Premier League club. Like that's how much of a homer he is, right? Yeah. He picked like he picked Wayne Rooney and just put him at, put him from Everton, Everton. As, yeah, as, as an example. So I like. That's that's the kind of guy that you know that, that he is, and that's fine. That, it, it was a great joke, uh, but I think he also kind of believed it, and that's 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 Gary Neville. But you also heard him saying, maybe it was just yesterday or today, uh, and I'm, I'm like trying to quote this as directly as I can. The Glazers have no place in Manchester. Like that, that's his unequivocal statement now. And I, I know I'm jumping ahead to the, the reaction to the dust settling, so we'll, we'll I think circle back to this. Yeah. Uh, but you, but you're seeing these club legends just come out and saying, basically, what the fuck is this? This is a, an affront and an assault on on the game itself. And then you also had managers um, who, this is what was interesting to me. No players were consulted. No managers were consulted. I understand the the need for like secrecy to to basically keep things close to the vest until you're ready to announce but once you realize you're announcing you don't give pep or Klopp a heads up you don't you don't give your your manager a second so they can also talk to your team captain right you don't you don't give that that was a i thought a massive blunder uh not even like Maybe make it an attempt at hey, this is how it's going to personally benefit you. Like I know there's going to be a lot of shock, and you're not going to like the optics, but see from our point of view why why we think this is great, not just for us, but for everybody. I mean, that's a lie through their teeth, but you at least you need to try to sell that before you you leak it to the masses. Yeah, and you know, it was clear. I mean, another one who really said. <laughs> Zidane, what Zidane said when he said, <laughs> quote, I will be straight. This is the business of only one person, the president. I won't tell you my opinion. And in that statement, he told you, ex- I mean, you're talking about a guy who is one of the ultimate competitors of the sport as a player and as a uh, manager, a guy who's a legend for two of the clubs that are part of this in his time at Juventus and a legend at Real Madrid as a player and as a manager. Yeah. And you can tell he's like, what the fuck? And I honestly think the person who, in one sentence, summed it up for me the best, and this is how you this is how you know the Super League is fucked, when I'm saying Pep Guardiola said it best. Right? Sport is not a sport when the relationship between effort and reward does not exist. It's also a very Pep way to phrase like that. Yeah, it was definitely, he, I mean, he said it in the douchiest way possible. But, but I mean, it, it... But it was so on point. Also, you got to you have to speak their language when you're talking to the super douche teams. Yeah. So you got to speak douche. Um, so I, I know you're you're saying like like you can't believe it's Pep. Like that's the last guy you would have expected to to really best eloquate yep. your your stance here. Yep. What really jumped out to me. So we mentioned earlier that twelve founding members uh, kind of came out as as the the brain trust behind this and backing it, and they said that they. By the time the first competition happens, there'll be fourteen or fifteen permanent members. So that's three blank slots, and it's 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 very clear to everybody who those three spots were supposed to go to. Yeah, you've got 
the, the two German clubs, the biggest two German clubs, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, yep. and then the you know biggest French club and one of the biggest clubs in the world, uh, PSG. Yep. And you've got Florentino Perez claiming those three clubs were never approached, not yet. They wanted to get the, the founders solid and then bring them in. That's a total crock of bullshit. There's no chance that they announced this without trying to get those three teams signed on beforehand. Um, and I think there's even been, been word out of PSG and out of Bayern Munich that in Dortmund that they, they declined. They turned that down. They did not like it. They thought it spat in the face of, of what sport is supposed to be. And that was my heel turn was, when do I ever think, wow, PSG is really on, on the right side of, of the institutional and operational uh, ways of soccer? Like that, that was what, that was my like, worst guy you know makes a great point. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it, I'd, we'd be remiss not to talk about what um, Patrick Bamford of Leeds said after their match against. Um, after drawing Liverpool 1 1. He said, It's amazing the amount of uproar as well that comes into the game when somebody's pockets are being hurt. It's a shame it's not like that with all the things that go wrong at the minute with racism and stuff like that. Um, just, he had some really powerful words to say, and I appreciated. And then one other, you know, here's some of the statements I wanted to read from different supporters because that's the biggest thing you saw. It wasn't just the players who were mad and the managers who were clearly upset or former legends of the game who were upset. The fans. So this is from um, Chelsea's uh, Chelsea Supporter Trust. Our supporters across the world have experienced the ultimate betrayal. This is unforgivable. Manchester City Supporters Club. These owners, irrespective of where they come from, seem to think football belongs to them. It doesn't. It belongs to us, the supporters, irrespective of which team we support. Tottenham, Supporters Trust. The current board is prepared to risk the club's reputation and its future in the opportunistic pursuit of greed. I mean, and you know, on Twitter, in addition, I, where is it? I had this page pulled up of what was, um, what was trending during all of this, and the words that were trending were disgust, greed. greed. Yeah. And I think that kind of sums up everyone's, a lot of the, that reaction that we were getting from people. And so, you know, we're kind of shifting towards, you know, now that we're covering the reactions, towards how the clubs then reacted to the, the reaction, which, you know, it's interesting because well, you well, know for. Before oh. how the clubs reacted, how about UEFA and FIFA's threats and reaction? I think oh, those are super oh, yeah. important. So we, we, we were we were talking about this even before like like UEFA and FIFA responded about like honestly I hope whatever the nuclear option is like that's what we want want yep. them to take. We don't. I don't want to give any like you know. I don't want to sugarcoat it. We have not been a fan of of FIFA and UEFA as an institution since long before we started this podcast. Right? There are so many problems. You know, so so many issues in there that being said what exists now is way better than what these 12 super juices are trying to, to create and so we were hoping like uh, they need to they need to react strongly and uefa came out immediately with a statement basically saying we are going to <clears throat> exercise every option available to us like under under the rules and under the law of these contracts and agreements you know, we are going to have an emergency meeting later this week to expel 
all uh, participants from the current Champions League and Europa League. Which would have meant PSG would have been the de facto Champions League winners. Well, there was talk of of the teams that were last eliminated by the douche teams would come back in and they would still go through the semifinals. So you would have had like uh, Dortmund back in, I think Atalanta back in, and Porto back in. Uh, Which, you know, that would be interesting. And then... And then playing against PSG, because the, the 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 three the four semifinalists. So PSG would have won the Champions League. Yeah, but <laughs> PSG, and then you have right, you had Chelsea, who would have been out. City would have been out, and Real would have been out. And, and honestly, all three of those de- deservedly so. Yep. And then you also have uh, two of the semifinalists, Manchester United and Arsenal, who also would have been booted. Yeah, in Europa. In the Europa League, and I, I was like, you know, I was really glad to see that because. The fucking gall or gumption of these teams to make this announcement and this intent while they are actively participating in their domestic league, you know, title races and top four races and fighting for silverware that they clearly, so clearly do not respect at all. Because uh, there's no way you can announce this during the semifinals round of, of a competition and still be like, oh, but I want to continue competing in this and win. Um, so fuck off. The other piece that they that they announced that they were going to look into all options in terms of banning players of the breakaway twelve super douche teams from representing their nations in official FIFA competitions. Oof. To which to which Perez said acted as if that was not a big deal and said, Oh, it's fine, we'll make our own World Cup. Which literally he said that as if like Eric, you told me, Donnie, you can't have this omelet. And there's like, and then I, I see like some extra eggs and some cheese and some bell peppers. And I'm like, oh, no worries. I'll make my own omelet. Like that is the exact same casual demeanor, which was this crazy motherfucker. Like, oh, we'll just make our own World Cup. What the fuck are you talking about? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, I, I know what those words mean. Honestly, but not in that I think context. This- I'm pretty sure his thought was, well, we just made our own Champions League, so we'll just make our own World Cup to go with it. It's like he doesn't understand that you can't do the World Cup at the club level. I mean, there's the club there's the club World Cup, but that's that ain't it, Keith. Well, it was, well, well, just, well, well, actually, this uh, is a very pro off. Club World Cup podcast. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, so that was that was absolutely wild, but that was I think the right the right stance, right? Yes. That's what UEFA and FIFA had to do. And then you saw the uh, the domestic leagues also coming out, right? Uh, Premier League, Syria, I think even La Liga all said uh, we are going to have like an emergency meeting with all the non uh, super douche teams to discuss what are we going to do uh, to like their infractions? Because there are, are bylaws, I think at least in the premier league where teams can't join an un, uh, unapproved competition without like the sign off of the majority of the league. And so it was good to see the domestic leagues also take swift action. Also some of the trolling on Twitter from like Leeds and wolves and the trolling on Twitter by the teams was pretty fucking funny. It was fantastic. Uh, and then also during all this stuff, Jose got sacked. First Super League manager to be sacked. Only Super League manager to be sacked. How he got sacked six days before a final, which I think that final's like in four days now, is yeah. me. Yeah, and they're still in like a top four race, too. Yeah, we'll briefly get into that as we as, but, as we finish dissecting this beast. 
So obviously the, the big thing is the fan reaction, right? That, so going through this, you know, basically all this shit, they knew that UEFA and FIFA were going to have to react strongly, right? There's no way they didn't know that. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to be secretive about it. Right, and, and I apologize. This is something I, I think I texted you about like two days ago when this stuff came up. Like They, they knew that was going to happen. Yep. And they knew that players and fans of the non-12 teams were going to be irate. Which means they they believed that their, their fan bases would be excited about this. They truly did. And the reason I say this is because if they thought their fan bases would, would also be upset or angry, they would not have immediately turned heel like we were about to get into. Yeah. In their minds, they thought that their fan bases would be like, oh, dude, like, oh, Eric, dude, this is sick. Like, we're going to have an own goal derby like every single season, bruh. Like, I think every- in their mind, yeah, they thought we were like that. Whereas this, really, our reaction was more when that chick in the Matrix gets shot and, like, not like this. Not like not this. Like she doesn't this. get shot, yeah. but she gets unplugged from the outside yeah. by Cypher, that bald douchebag. That's how it was more for us, where it's like, and we would not even acknowledge an own goal Darby. Technically, she gets unplugged by Cyrus the Virus. Just, just a heads up. Whatever the fuck. She gets involved. She gets unplugged by somebody. Apox gets unplugged by uh, Cyrus, I think. Cypher. His name is Cypher. I thought it was Cyrus the Virus. The villain in the ma- in the first Matrix, the who's not Agent Smith, is definitely Cypher. Look it up right now. I am. I might be wrong. You're right. It's Cypher. Alright. So you can take that Cyrus out of the virus and just shove it up your hoop. Um, But it's like... And oh, I was already the first thing I thought of in my head was that like we are, will never talk about an own goal derby in this format. Fuck that, because it wasn't yeah. cool and it wasn't exciting. It it wasn't earned. It's not fair. It's not fundamentally right. It's just a money play, and the fans saw right through that. Like you're already raising tickets to these to the stadiums so much that you're pricing out. So many local fans, more and more generational fans that have you know been part of the you know the makeup, the connect makeup of the club for for centuries or a century. Yeah, like they in their minds, they really thought that their supporters would like this, and we all hated it. Universally. And like, like to like to the to the extent to which like it was bothering me, and I'm 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 a. I'd say I'm probably one of the bigger Milan fans in Texas, right? I, I don't know if there are many, <laughs> many that even follow Syria, but I'm nowhere near as devoted as as a lot of the Milan fan base. Uh, so maybe this doesn't go the same way for others. But I was going through a little mental exercise of okay, so they're going to be in this new uh, weekly competition or midweek competition. I'm not going to watch that. I, I will not. Um, I'm not at a point where am I going to watch Serie A after this? And I, I honestly got to the point where I was like, honestly, I don't think I am because I don't think I can support Milan after they actively tried to destroy the fabric of the game. And I, I but I can't like, I can't pick up Atalanta and, and just become an Atalanta fan. That feels that feels cheap and, and weird. So I was then looking at okay, I you know there's a good chance that 
next season, I'm going to be a full-fledged supporter of like Everton, Aston Villa, Leicester, picking one of the good guys from a different league and deciding that I'm, I'm going to see if I can kind of fall in love with them like I did with Milan 20 fucking years ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can, you know, paired a lot of that in the sense that, like, I'm sure there are bigger Manchester United fans in the world than me. I consider myself a pretty big Man U fan. And, you know, Man U is one of the ways that I initially, and I think still do, connect with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so it's had a huge, you know, it, the club has meant to me a lot more than just a sports team. And, um, I mean, I found myself thinking, like, all right, well, I, I I couldn't support another team in the Premier League, so I went down to the championship, and I was like, well, Wayne Rooney is one of my all-time favorite players, and Wayne Rooney is the manager of Derby County, so maybe I'll just become a Derby fan and just kind of ride into the championship, maybe get into a little League One action, and I, was, Not gonna I, lie. I, I had to punish myself. I was like, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go low. I gotta go down. Not gonna lie. Um... There's there's an alternate reality, and that could still come to pass in the future, where like next year we became a championship league podcast. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I think that's where. So that just shows you how. I mean, you have this Liverpool legend statues outside their stadium, and his grandson is calling for his grandfather's statue to be removed. Yeah, like. That's incredible. Like that's that's incredible. Um, I, I forgot who it was, but one of one of the United greats who's, who gifted his medals to the United Museum has even now, like today, requested those medals be returned because the club does not deserve to display them anymore. Jesus Christ! And then Gary, I think Gary Neville was like, "I, I requested mine returned to me four months ago." <laughs> <laughs> Classic Gary. Um, and I yeah, honestly, so, I immediately, when all this broke down, I just thought of Sir Bobby and Sir Alex, and I was just like, is this going to kill them? They may not be, I mean, Sir Alex cannot handle getting that much angrier anymore in his life, and I just yeah. feel like Sir Bobby would just die of a broken heart. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it was, it was just horrible, horrifying to, like, experience, and then what was incredible was watching Chelsea fans prevent their team's bus from going to the stadium to play a game. Chelsea fans preventing their own team. Like, that's how strongly they were protesting. And this is around the time that the tide began to shift, right? And and there was rumors, rumblings that Chelsea was looking into withdrawing, and then also Man City was pretty quick to follow. And that's why, you know, I kind of brought up the fact that Clearly, these teams responded to that pressure because, like I said, they, they knew UEFA and FIFA would come down hard. They knew everybody else would hate it. So the only other thing that uh, – the only other factor was their own fans' reaction, which is – it's great and incredible that fans can still kind of cause that. But the bigger concern to me is – you know, have you seen Arrested Development? Many – Many times. There, okay, so you know the scene when Lucille Bluth is R.I.P. talking to her son? Yes, uh, that's actually what got, you know, her passing is what got Emma and I to go th- uh, through 
for our, our rewatch right now. That's why I've been sending you so many uh, <laughs> Arrested Development related gifts. But these owners are so out of touch, just like the blue is out of touch with like real real people. When she's talking to to Michael Blue, saying. I mean, it's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? $10? <laughs> that, like, that, that is my image of all of these owners now. Yeah. Is like, they're so out of touch with their own fan bases, who they clearly don't respect. Yeah. Clearly. And, you know, look at, look at the big American owners involved. Liverpool, Arsenal, Man United, AC Milan. Yeah. Big American ownership. And then Florentino Perez is just a crazy person. He's a megalomaniac. So, like, yeah, he... He... <laughs> he, he so, you just got to wonder. But, you know, Chelsea pull out. First domino falls. Man City follow up after them. The other English clubs follow up. And, and also, at the time that it was rumored about Man City, uh, there were also rumors that in Spain... Atletico Madrid, I think, was first, and then Barcelona was the, the, not first to pull out. But there were did Barcelona Atletico, ever officially pull out? I don't. So, so there were there were like rumors that Atletico and Barcelona were looking into pulling out, and then I think Atletico pulled the trigger. But I have I don't know if Barcelona did. So my understanding was at one point ten teams pulled out, and then it was just Barcelona and Real Madrid, and then the Super League announced that okay, we're not doing this for now. Suspended indefinitely. Yeah. yeah. And the idea that there was that brief moment where the Super League was just Barcelona and Real Madrid, that's the only thing that, like, that's the only part of this story that makes me smile, is knowing that there was that brief moment where Barcelona and Real Madrid were like, hey, what if we just play each other once a week? I know there is a, another moment that made you smile. Oh. So now we're, now we're in, so the clubs have pulled out, and now we're at phase three. The, the heads are rolling. <laughs> Aftermath. Aftermath. Um, the biggest one, and it shouldn't have come to this, but Ed Woodward announced that at the end of 2021, he will be resigning as the vice chairman of Manchester United. I have been wanting this since like 2015, 2016. The worst part of the letter for like the part. So it made me smile, but then it just made me realize just how pathetic Manchester United is. When he talked about his highlights were helping the club win the Europa League, yep. the FA yep. Cup, yep. the League Cup. And I was like... That collection of trophies should be an embarrassment for him. Like that, He should be embarrassed that those are the trophies he has to display. Yeah, like, I would talk about those trophies the same way I would talk about warts on my fucking cock. Those trophies feel like warts on the the cock that is the history of Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's interesting, right? Because you've got, you know, think about these men, these these owners, right? Obviously, Liverpool owners have, I think, been in good standing with with their fans because they've helped them deliver. Some Don't results. forget, LeBron James is a Liverpool owner. Yeah, minority owner. Like minor, he has a minority stake. He's not. He's not part of the Finway Sports Group. I guess technically he's also a minority. <laughs> not what I was. That's team. not what I was going with. But because he, he's he's not a part of the Finway Sports Group, is he? I think he's, he's he owns two percent of Liverpool, not of Finway Sports Group. That well, no, but owned. he also now owns part of uh, the Red Sox. I think as of like very. Oh, so is he? Is he part of FSG? 
dude, I, I, I have no idea that I have no fucking clue how, how that that's all, all, all I'm saying is in the goat debate, Michael Jordan never owned a super league club and LeBron did for 20, for 48 hours. <laughs> I just, I, I just think that people so, should discuss um, that in the debate. <laughs> so, but yeah, what's two percent of forty-eight hours? So he had he had uh like four hours worth of just for himself, four hours of of Super League Club. That's enough for me. So um, then you've got the Glacier Glaciers with Manchester United, and that's been a fraught relationship where fans have never embraced the Glazers. Um, but like the Glazers haven't openly declared war on the fans. I think they just kind of ignored them, hoping they'd eventually go away. Cronky at Arsenal, who has declared open war against the fans of Arsenal, and they've they've declared open war against him. So that that's I think of the three the most contentious relationship. And then jumping over to Italy for the other U.S. owned team, it's Milan, who, as I mentioned, were purchased by a uh, a businessman a few years back. He took out a loan. He defaulted on his loan, and this hedge fund, uh, Elliot, took control of Milan. And that's what was actually really disappointing for me was as long as Elliot holds Milan, they will only ever do whatever is going to increase the monetary value of the, of the club. And for them, those those numbers made sense that doesn't matter who we piss off, right? This is an investment. This is something that we have fiduciary responsibilities to deliver a return on. So I, the, actually the, the, the thing that made me happiest during the, the kind of – backlash was seen i think it was yesterday uh united stock price dropped six percent because it's like okay that is market data that's show that can show elliot that being in the super league is decreasing the a team's overall value that's kind of a double-edged sword though as a uh, part owner of manchester united myself Well, I appreciate you falling on the sword for that one, buddy. Because you know, I, woke I, up hold, today. I, I own two stock, one for myself and one for my brother, symbolically. And, uh, and uh, well, I woke so up that's today about six to... six bucks I ain't getting back. woke up today to Milan, Inter, and Juventus have... Uh, and, and, and Milan and Inter, I think, announced their intentions to leave before Juve did. At one point, I think there was three teams left. Juve, <laughs> Barcelona, Barcelona, Real, which is even funnier. And then, and then Juve saw, you know, Juve saw Milan and Inter had just ditched them. And we're like, well, Agnelli's going to give up on his dream for now. For now. I think that's one thing, you know, the fans, we kind of got over this. We defeated it. I think if you're a fan of one of these 12 clubs, opposing fans are going to throw this shit in your face for a while and you just and have you, to eat it. And honestly, if they choose to throw this shit at you for the rest of your life, you have to eat it. Agreed. I just hope that the next time something like this happens, and there will be a next time, everyone, you know, can unite and figure out a way to stop it. Because there will be a next time. Could be in five years, could be in ten years, could be in fifteen years. But I promise you in our lifetime, these same clubs will try something again. Can I just say one thing? And say as many things as you want. It's half your podcast. It's a damn shame that fans were not able to be present in these stadiums for these games. Holy hell, that would have been good. Um, I know, they would have really given it to them. <laughs> I guess a couple of tidbits I wanted to kind of mention as we're starting to pivot away from the Super League. 
Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw apparently physically confronted Ed Woodward about this and were like, dude, what the fuck? And you got to imagine Ed Woodward, who looks like the type of person who deserves to be shoved in a locker. He kind of looks like, um, I feel like he's, he's young Smeagol before he gets, before he even like goes down the path of murdering his brother and then slowly turn into Gollum. Yes. Just being absolutely like having six, five Harry Maguire staring down on him and Luke Shaw's big ass. And like thick boy team captain, not captain of the United, but like Luke Shaw is is captain of team thick boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I just credit to, and I know like Jordan Henderson of Liverpool called the meeting the Premier League's captain. Patrick Obama Yang spoke out about this. Obviously so many different players across so many different teams did so much. And to all of the players of every single club who stood up to your owner or posted something or to all the managers who posted against it, thank you. Yeah. Because just as important as the fans were, those players and those managers who spoke out against it or maybe in closed doors went up to their chairman and were like, fuck you. Because I guarantee you there was a fuck you match between Zinedine and Zidane. Zidane's a classy guy, except for the one headbutt. He'll, um... <laughs> that one little, except for that one time. He's a, he's by accounts, he's a class act, consummate pro. So I know he wouldn't publicly say something, but I guarantee you, in closed doors, he was just having a fuck you match with Florentino Perez. And I also guarantee you, Leo Messi was having a go at the Barcelona hierarchy and was yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Also, um... If Shaw and Maguire don't uh, confront Woodward, there's no way he resigns. I, I, I even, even the backlash of all this, I don't. I, I, I think he takes the backlash if it weren't for that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. Obviously, no one's going to be forgetting about this anytime soon. It was a wild ride. I can only say that I'm just so happy that this was stopped because you're not you shouldn't be guaranteed anything in life you should you're gonna have to you have to earn everything you got to work hard but i do believe that part of a fundamental ethos of my life is that if everyone starts at a level playing field if you work and that first part's important in my opinion everyone starts at a level playing field if you work hard and you grind you can achieve really great things but that nobody should have that as a birthright or as a matter of course it should be earned and likewise there should be punishments in sport for failure and to try to get rid of that by these clubs it just it goes against every notion of competition and competitiveness that i believe in and you know just kind of on top of that if you feel entitled because of what you have bought with your money that you can destroy something billions of people love, then you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, and I second that. You can go fuck yourself, too. I second what Eric just said. Well said, Eric. This is an anti-Super Douche podcast. This is a big-time anti-Super Douche podcast. Probably the only thing we're more anti than Neymar. Uh, We're very (laughs) anti-slavery. It's a toss-up. Yeah, that's 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 a big stance too. 
and like we i mean we this does not like i said this does not come over all the like controversial and horrible shit like fifa's done by you know enabling qatar and, and going along with their world like like there's a lot of problems outside of this but this was the most immediate that grabbed the attention of all of us because it really did threaten to push that big red you know uh, button the self-destruct button on kind of this entire structure and okay fuck. can i share with you a conspiracy theory yes okay Florentino Perez, multiple times, specifically mentioned the debt Real Madrid is in. Now, considering that Real Madrid never technically pulled out of the Super League, was this all an elaborate scheme by this crazy bastard, whereby he creates a system, knowing that there's huge financial incentives, also meaning there's huge financial consequences for breaching whatever contract or agreement these 12 Super Douche clubs signed, Hats, you know, created the chaos. All these teams pulled out, and whatever settlement money they're going to have to pay under the table helps to clear Real Madrid's debts. Is there a world where that's possible? For sure. Also, can we quickly remind people that apparently the team signed a 23-year agreement to be in the Super League, and it folded after 48 hours? <laughs> the worst part of that to me is, why didn't you either pick 20 or 25? I 23. That number really fucking bothers me. That's actually fucking crazy. Also, the reason they announced this in the middle of the competition and not at the end of the season, right, was because Bayern, PSG, and Borussia Dortmund said no, right? I think so. Like, 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 if if those had said yes or they hadn't asked them yet, they would have waited till the end of the season where they couldn't be booted from the Champions League and things like that. So it's just like I know it's not really a conspiracy. I think that that's that's the prevailing prevailing theory. But like, you know, as a lawyer, I don't need to tell you. You don't ask a question that you know that you're you don't know the answer when when you're in a trial. You you don't invite these guys unless you know they're going to join. Yeah. Fucking wild. Normally, at this point in the show, we'd get into your league recap and do the top four. But I think we just spent the better part of an hour on the Super League. But I promise you, you're going to have a very in-depth analysis of uh, league reviews coming up on our next episode, which will be in about a couple of weeks. Very exciting announcement. Eric, give the people what they want to hear. So now that we are both uh, past our vaccination kind of uh, like waiting period and, and able to travel and do stuff, Donnie will be visiting Austin. And we're going to be able to kind of accomplish a few things. First, we'll be able to record an episode of Own Goal Podcast together in the same in the same room, which I think we've only done once, maybe twice before. Two, so two or three times we've been able to manage it. I know, I know, we did time. it once. We did it once in Waco. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've done yeah. it twice in Waco. Maybe yeah, maybe twice, and that may have been it. So really, really, really pumped for that. And then we'll also, uh, I'll be paying up on my my bet of the spicy wings. So we're going to go to Pluckers, which is a, a great uh, kind of Austin and, and Texas restaurant, a wing bar. And I'm going to do their fire in the hole challenge. Their fire in the hole sauce is really fucking spicy. And the challenge is I have to eat 25 wings. I think we landed on, I had to down 15 of them for our, like, like to kind of, make do on our bet and then i'm gonna go for the other 10 just as a matter of pride 
for personal pride and also I have no shame. I will be uh, filming the event and I will cut out some of the highlights and post that onto uh, Twitter as well as probably those of you probably make a few gifts out of it if possible, <laughs> perhaps some memes. But um, it, it, this is this is probably the first, I'd say, own goal pod content piece. Yeah, we're really excited for it. Obviously, very excited to see my buddy in person and uh, watch some games while we're there. But I promise you, that episode all about top four. We won't talk about the Super League at all. Nope. Um, all about the Champions League semifinals. We'll get into the changes that are going to be coming up to the Champions League format as well. So next episode is going to be a lot of fun, guys. Um, for those of you listening, I just want to say congratulations. As it stands for now undefeated against the super league we fucking beat those guys yeah uh we kind of uh we 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 survived uh but the fight's not over and i'm sure it'll be a conversation that's going to come back like sooner rather than later but let's let's celebrate this and then let's all laugh at me bawling my eyes out while i eat some some hot wings until then bye it's a gift. Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car.